Welcome to the Everything Coworking Podcast, where you learn what you need to know about how the world wants to work. And now your host, coworking space owner and trend expert, Jamie Russo. Welcome to the Everything Coworking Podcast. This is your host, Jamie Russo. You are going to love this episode. I hope you love all the episodes, but uh, Jen Tomke shares her experience running a co-working space in a fairly small town of about 20,000 people in Golden, Colorado. And into her journey, the cafe that was adjacent to her co-working space went up for sale and she bought it. And now she is taking it a step even further. She's working on her third location. And this one, she is building from the ground up. So she will own the asset, which is amazing. And she is creating a co-working space adjacent to a food hall. You'll have to check out her website, which is linked up in the show notes so that you can follow along on the journey. I love Jen's story. So Jen is a part of our flight group program, which is a mastermind group. We have groups of operators that meet once a month. She has a community manager in our community manager university group. So we get the behind the scenes on what Jen is working on in her business, how she is expanding her model and growing her team. She's super smart. She's a great marketer. She is a great businesswoman. So we're thrilled to share her story. I think you're going to love the details she shares about the cafe, creating a co-working space in a smaller market, some of the lessons she's learned. She's been open for seven years. So she is a veteran operator at this point and some of the exciting things she's working on with her food hall and co-working space. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Jen. Welcome. I am here today with Jennifer Tempke. She is in Golden, Colorado, which is so fun to say. Um, she is the chief connector and creator at Connects Workspace. And we're going to chat today and get Jen's perspective. Golden, Colorado has a population of 20,000. So it's a fairly small town. Jen, you are working on your third location. So I'm so glad to have you on the podcast and to share your story and your insights on your journey. Um, and I'll say before we begin, I know you're on a journey. You have lots of accomplishments and lots of things you're working on. So um, we love to hear all about it. So thank you for taking the time to tell us about your co-working journey. Well, thank you so much, Jamie. Thanks for having me. I've been listening to your podcasts for years now, so it feels really like an honor to be here. So thank you. <laughs> I know nobody likes to listen to their own. So you'll have to, you know, maybe, well, you won't air for a while. I, we were just talking about how you're going to go see um, Kim Lee in Birmingham, which we were both very excited about. And I thought, oh, maybe you can listen to the podcast, but it won't be up by then. Okay. So we'll get to where you are today, but tell us your co-working story. How did you get started? What, what was happening in the moment when you said, I need to open a co-working space? Yes. So we, this June will be seven years that I opened Connects Workspace in Golden. And I was in corporate America. I was in the mortgage industry. And really, I love Golden. I'm a native to Golden, wanted to be involved in what was going on in the Golden community and would drive 
out to go to my job every day. My husband got to stay here and be involved in it. And I was always just like, oh, I want to be here. And I had always had a dream of owning a coffee shop or a wine bar, something that brought people together. Just I like that that vibe and that energy. And my husband started popping in on these co-working spaces through his job. And he's like, this is a really interesting model, Jen. We should research it. And so we, I started doing a ton of online research, driving around the ones in Denver. And Golden is a small town, but we know Golden through and through. We uh, are really connected into the community. So we kind of just start driving around thinking of places that would work. And we found... Um, just a great opportunity at this historic building to uh, start a 3,000 square foot of space. It wasn't very much. Uh, it felt like a lot and it was really expensive to build out because we were in this old building. But we just wanted to test it out and see if it would work. And it happened to be just behind a coffee shop, which ended up, it's a cafe. It's more, it's breakfast and lunch as well. But uh, it ended up being one of the, the best things that we could have done for this co-working space, especially being in 2015, still relatively new in a smaller town, but we had instant uh, walk through traffic and people coming through. And so I grew pretty quickly. Our, pro our My offices were filled on day one, and then we kept taking on space around town. Golden's walkable. It's like has a historic downtown area. And so just to be able to meet the demand, we just kind of kept opening spaces all within walking distance. And your, can you share what your husband does for a living? Oh, yeah. My husband's a general contractor. He had dipped his toes in uh, contracting back in the day and then got out of it, was running a nonprofit when I started Connects. But then I jumped out of our main income stream. He renovated Connects for me, and then it just birthed his whole – so he has a really, really um, – a successful general contracting business that was birthed out of building out connects workspace. So we have put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into. Yeah. So all of our spaces to date, we have bootstrapped and we have uh, done all of the build out ourselves, all of the painting, all of the furniture build out. We have a new um, opportunity, like you had mentioned, coming up, and this is the first time I'm actually contracting with his company. We're trying to do a, more of an arm's length transaction, better, ah. for, better <laughs> for the marriage. Right. <laughs> so, Some yeah. official paperwork in place, just in case. No. I So I, I think having a contractor on your side who is such a close connection is such an advantage because... You know, you mentioned you started at 3,000 square feet, which felt like a lot. And I think that is not uncommon for people to feel like signing a commercial lease is a very big deal, you know? And so it felt like that was a big enough risk. 3,000 square feet, you know, for whatever. What was the length of your first lease that you signed? It was only three years with an option to renew for another three years. I'm in lease negotiation again. I'm going in my seventh year and I'm in lease negotiations again three times. It's, it's exhausting. Yeah. And also I didn't know how to do, I learned so much. Yeah. So you're, yeah. So you've done multiple renewals now. Do you feel like seven years has gone very quickly? Very quickly. Yeah. Very quickly. And I've learned a ton. I, like I said, when I signed my first lease, I basically, uh, just signed 
on the dotted line and then realized I I needed to have somebody review it. I needed to do my due diligence. I learned a lot of lessons. We put all of our own money into the renovations and then, oh, lo and behold, they you know, increase the lease rate <laughs> whenever we go to renegotiate because it's worth so much more, but it was worth so much more because of what we put into it, you know, all the, all the lessons learned. 100%, but I think this is so common. So um, it's helpful to hear. This is a, a very common storyline. Okay. So talk about what your sort of co-working portfolio looks like now, and then what's on the horizon that you're, you're working on. Yeah, so we currently have 15,000 square feet in Golden. We have two floors of the one building that I that I started out in, and then a block away, I have another 6,000 square feet. We have uh, just over 220 members, and we are at capacity. You know, we did take the dive during COVID, and then I think it was June of 2021 when we really started seeing people come back. Our co-working space is full. We've seen uh, Golden has been growing. You mentioned it's a small town, but it's a really popular town. It's where people want to be. We're right on the foothills and we're in a, a county that's you know upwards of a half a million. So there's a lot of uh, people all in the surrounding areas. But because of that, because of being at capacity, uh, I was looking for some new growth opportunities. And there is a building right off of I-70 at the Red Rocks the famous Red Rocks exit uh, on the corridor to I-70 that takes you up to the, the ski mountains, a building being built that we're going to purchase. This will be my first purchase, 12,000 square foot condo. And we're going to do co-working and food hall combined. And that's pretty small because for 6,000 square feet of co-working and 6,000 square feet of food hall. But to me, it, it's kind of manageable and it it's a beta to see if I can launch outside of downtown Golden and also if this concept is an interesting one that I could continue and go to other surrounding areas. That's super exciting, but you have had um, no end of challenges with the uh, funding of this space with the SBA loan. If anybody has any SBA magic to share with Jen, please, uh, please reach out. Have you had any um, resolution with that or is that still in progress? No, I, f I did enough research to find out that our main, um, I think it's the CDC, the main underwriter for SBA loans in Colorado, we have one. It's called the Colorado Lending Source. There's some smaller ones, but I looked and there, none of the smaller ones had any SBA loans fund last year. The Colorado Lending Source is the one that has decided that they are just not going to underwrite on co-working spaces anymore. It's a hard stop. All the banks try to root for me and go to them and talk to but once I'm big enough, I'm going to go to them and I'm going to I'm going to have put my presentation Lobby. together. Yeah. I just found out that they lend. Yeah, I just found out that they lend on on hair salons, which is if you think about it, um, 100%. A salon, they 1099 there. Yep. Right. It's the mm -hmm. same concept. So anyway, but so I am going for I'm going out for investment, which I'm scared out of my mind and super excited about. So that's I'm going to I'm going to just step into that and find someone that really wants to, um, yeah, take on the co-working movement in Colorado. Good, good. Well, I like the food hall and you're buying the building. So there's a lot to be said for that model. And I'm sure at this point, you know, to your point, all of the improvements that you put into a leased space, and now you're in the situation where that's sort of like biting you in the butt because they're increasing the rent on a space that you invested in already. So now you have control of all of that. 
So that's fantastic. I feel like we we skipped over the cafe. Can you remind me when the cafe came into the picture? And how does that fit into the co-working location where it's at? Yeah, right. So we, I'm in a historic, it's an armory building, an, a National Guard armory, armory built in 1913. Uh, the only kind of functioning business in the whole building for years and years was this coffee shop bakery that kind of kept changing hands and it grew into a breakfast joint, lunch joint. And when we opened Connects Workspace seven years ago, we just made friends with the the current owners and their office is actually in our co-working space. It it's behind the cafe. And so we just made it look like a part of us. They provided coffee for us. We would provide our space for overflow space on weekends. There's just a really good natural relationship. And then they wanted to retire and put uh, the cafe on the market in 2018. So I worked really hard to put together some friends and family and bought the cafe. And the reason was we're just, I mean, we're literally a door from each other. You can go through the cafe to get into Connects Workspace. And so the synergies between them, it it's exactly what I wanted all along is to own a coffee shop. And it's a little harder because it has a full kitchen. And when you bring back a house into anything, I've learned is a whole nother challenge. And then you add COVID to it. <laughs> it's a whole nother challenge. But, oh my gosh, it's amazing because my members, they get to have coffee and casual meetings down in the coffee shop and then they come back and they get to, you know, rent conference rooms and go to their office for more professional focused meetings and they order food down there and get it brought back to them. It's just, it, it's the reason that I chose to do a food hall combo with the co-working space because the synergies are just, I just love it. It's it creates just a whole lot more energy. And then you bring, you have an avenue to bring your community in without paying for a membership. But then they walk through these doors and they see like, you know, these people like working and networking and stuff. And then they want to be a part of it. So they feed both business models, feed each other really well. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about kind of design and what you include in a co-working space, because we're at this strange point where so many folks are at home and thinking about the workplace like totally differently. Like it used to be that co-working was sort of an alternative to an office and now it is the office. And if people don't, you know, they're sort of resistant to go to the office. How do you make that experience something compelling? For some people, the office environment is perfect. But what you're describing is like a hybrid of work and casual and community, you know, the community, but in a different way with a coffee shop and the food service so I think it's really um, makes sense for the time that we're in. So I'm excited for your your food hall project. Um, and I'm not sure the cafe plus co-working is right for everyone. Would you say that sort of it's two different, would you say it's two different businesses? Oh, it's two different businesses. They run totally different. And everyone was like, have you ever owned a restaurant before? And I was like, why do you keep asking me that? Now I know because they are as hard as everyone said and, you know, so, and I have a general manager. I am not owner operator of the cafe. I have a general manager that runs it, but then, you know, I, it's, it's really hard to make money with that model. We're, we're not, um, a super big, uh, cafe. So yeah, it's a total, you, you have to really, really count the cost of doing that. I knew golden really, really well. And I knew that this cafe had a lot of opportunity and upside and, um, really was doing it because I wanted to bring, I wanted to just do something great for Golden. So there was there was kind of this vested interest beyond just my bottom line. 
So I'm curious, you started with 3,000 square feet. What was your sort of confidence in getting membership in a town, I'm assuming, that had no co-working before you opened? Were you the first? Funny enough, there was a co-working space that uh, was open for about nine months in 2014. And so I met with her when I was thinking about opening, and she told me that Golden wasn't ready for it. Uh, she was off our main street. Uh, it, it was not golden was not ready for it unless it was in front of their face. And because I was right at a cafe that was already popular, I became in front of people's face. The other thing is, is my husband and I are natives. We met at golden high school. We got married really young. We spent seven years in the Pacific Northwest and we know everyone. I had all offices, I mean, all all six offices <laughs> filled on day one. Uh, co-working took a long time. It, we opened in June. I didn't really have much buzz around co-working until maybe that September when school went back into session. Uh, so that took time. Uh, the offices were full and people were asking for more offices right away. And it was, we were just really well networked. And then the other thing is I just donated the space a lot. I would ha- let anybody use it just to be in the space. And then I gained a lot of new members just from them being around. And Golden was, I kind of started right when Golden really started to find themselves in, and become a tourist destination, a place where people want to live, highly uh, active community. And so because they can, you know, park, come in, and then they can go on a bike ride at lunch, they can go on a run, they can walk the creek. So I just, I, I kind of hit the right time. I think if the other gal, if she would have uh, been able to stick it out, she she would be fine right now. And then also, she's she uh, started a consulting company, not in co-working and something else, I think marketing. And she's a member of my co-working space now. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Timing can matter a lot. Obviously, everybody who just survived COVID recognizes, you know, sometimes it's timing. You have the right idea and it's not quite the right time. And or not quite the right location to your point about being downtown. Um, but being downtown, it can be hard to find larger space. What is the size of your largest space? And is it still right on Main Street? Yes, I have. I'm in, My first floor right behind the cafe is 3,000 square feet. Then um, two floors up on the same building is 6,000 square feet. And then a block away is another 6,000 square feet. Yeah. So you kind of make it work. You're a little, yes, segmented, but... Um, which, but that's the thing about downtown, right? In a historic, yeah. Yeah. You just walk, you walk a block away. We give our tours. We have them walk with us in the snow. It's fine. We, uh, have conference rooms in all of the locations. People can book any conference room. All the membership is under one umbrella. The new location will have the same membership under one umbrella. It's hard for staff. I would say we're really trying to find our baseline for staff right now. And today we had every single conference room booked and people everywhere. And then it was a little crazy. So yeah, it was, it was hard on the staff to be in four four places at once. Right. The kind of day you love from a revenue standpoint and (laughs) a kind of day that like your team needs a glass of wine at the end of the day. (laughs) Hey, I just wanted to jump in really quickly before we continue with our discussion If you're working on opening a co-working space, I want to invite you to join me for my free masterclass, three behind the scenes secrets to opening a co-working space. If you're working on opening a co-working space, I want to share the three decisions that I've seen successful operators make when they're creating their co-working business. The masterclass is totally free. It's about an hour. 
and include some Q&A. If you'd like to join me, you can register at everythingcoworking.com forward slash masterclass. If you already have a coworking space, I want to make sure you know about Community Manager University. Community Manager University is a training and development platform for community managers, and it can be for owner-operators. It has content training, resources, templates from day one to general manager. The platform includes many courses that cover the major buckets of the community manager role from community management, operations, sales and marketing, finance, and leadership. The content is laid out in a graduated learning path so the community manager can identify what content is most relevant to them depending on their experience and kind of jump in from there. We provide a live brand new training every single month for the community manager group. We also host a live Q&A call every single month so that the community managers can work through any challenges that they're having or opportunities, um, get ideas from other community managers, build their own peer network. We also have a private Slack group for the group. So if you're interested in learning more, you can go to everythingcoworking.com forward slash community manager. So it sounds like your first space was really kind of, you know, contacts and um, bringing people into the space, getting them exposed. What does your, how do members find you today? Is it still kind of the same or do you focus on SEO? I'm guessing you don't run ads, but confirm that. (laughs) I don't. No, I do not run ads. So because Golden is so small, I do have a couple competitors. And if you Google co-working and Golden, you know, WeWork will come up even though they're not even close. But, um, or conference room. But I just don't have much competition. And I don't have enough space to have to fill. I've always been at or close to capacity. And so I haven't been able to find the value in that. I, I have an ad and write an article in a local Golden Living magazine, because I just like to keep myself in front. And I really started that knowing I was opening this new location. I do feel like I'm going to have to do a lot more for this new location because it is not in downtown and I'm targeting markets that I haven't entered yet. Uh, But I'm already starting that. We're already starting our social media on that and just getting people excited about it. And then word of mouth and, and, and sponsoring, like having people in sponsoring a PTA event or a networking event, chamber of converse, just letting people in the space so that they can see it. I feel like there are trade-offs to smaller markets. The advantages being, right, you sort of can own organic um, results, right? But you people just don't know the model as well. So you have to be willing to do that extra hustle of get people in, explain what it is, and, you know, let them feel it and, and try it out. You can't just kind of run ads and know there's a pool of people that are searching for space. But even in small markets, there are always people looking for offices. So your members with offices, why do they not work at home? Uh, that is a really good question. A lot of them, they like the separation. They like to leave. You know, I had the same amount of offices before COVID as after. So people, you know, the whole work from home idea, you know, was that was birthed out of COVID, you know, is a little fresh and new, but I've grown. I've grown on the other side of COVID. People are like, I I cannot talk to myself anymore. Like (laughs) talking to a screen, I have to be able to see human beings and such. But I have, we have a lot of professionals. They want to have the conference room access. We have people, 
I have one guy, he's a tutor and he joined during COVID and he joined because he just needed an office. And he's like, I've met like my family. I've met people like he, he's a single guy that lives by himself that he, he gets to be around people and he talks to people and you get to just at lunchtime go for a run up the, you know, up the mountain. And just, it's just, I think people love being in downtown Golden. And I think that we've created a place where they feel like they're, they're cared for and they're, they're welcomed. We used one of your photos one time. I'm trying to remember what it was an example for something in our community manager training and you have a community manager in our group, but it was such an authentic photo at a member event and it was so well captured and it was just, I, I can't remember why we were using it as sort of a, you know, a, a, a good example of something, but I remember that really clearly because you can tell that people really connect and enjoy being there and it's really authentic. Um, the, okay, yeah, we talked about, we, oh, go we ahead. bring the, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Oh, no. Oh, I was just saying, we bring yeah. the authentic vibe and almost, <laughs> almost like the family vibe that we care for you. My community managers are very like social and ha- and happy people and they're, they're, they're thoughtful. And I think it, it doesn't always play nice with everyone, right? There's the hyper professionals that are going to be super, you know, high maintenance and need a lot. And, and we'll make sure that they know, like, they might not be happy here because we are more casual and comfortable and, uh, yeah, flexible. And so it's, it's who we wanted to be. And it, it is also who Golden is. So we're being true to who our community is. Yeah. And you know who you are and you're okay with the folks that aren't a fit. Um, so we started talking about your team. Can you just talk about what your team looks like to run the 15,000 square feet and what it'll look like and the cafe and as you move into the food hall? Yeah. What does that look like? Yeah. So my, my, <laughs> my main model, my main 15,000 square feet in downtown Golden, uh, I, I want it to be able to kind of run with a full-time community manager and a part-time community host that supports the community manager. We're testing that right now to see because of our various locations, uh, it might be a little difficult, but that's the same model that I would like to run up at the food hall, which would just be the connects workspace part. Just the co-working part of the food hall would be a community manager full-time and a part-time community host. Right now, because of our growth uh, in the idea to be able to continue to grow. I have an operations manager who is putting all of our processes down into Notion, is asking all the hard questions about why we're doing what we're doing, and is helping me to build out this new space. We have a marketing and integrations uh, person that works from home that we will eventually roll that position into a community manager role. But with an opening of the new space, uh, she's doing a lot of work in uh, just making sure all of our integrations are really tight and honed in. I feel like we're like rebuilding the foundation. Like you build a foundation for one size business and then you decide to grow and you really need to make sure your foundation, your infrastructure meets that. And so we have this benefit while we're building out this new space to really test through that. So marketing and integrations will fold into community manager once we're open. And then... All of my restaurant, the cafe, food hall, all that will be under other businesses and different staffing. So the co-working space, right now I have three full-time, including myself, and two part-time staff members. 
And I do also have a couple host for trades. Sorry. I have our one location that's a block away is all offices with a few reserved desks. So it really is low maintenance, but still needs to have someone on site. So we will uh, allow someone to host over there in trade for a membership. Would you expand, I'm just curious, because I get this question sometimes, your sort of annex space that's down the street that's essentially unstaffed, but you have floaters and you have, right, your, your host for trade. Would you have done that location with open seating or do you think it works because it's mostly offices? It only works because it's offices. I would not do open. It's just too, it's too high maintenance to not have staff there. I do wonder, I'm curious when I do hear people that don't have their co-working spaces staffed. It's it's an interesting model that I, I haven't figured out because we're running around all the time doing stuff. But our model is highly, highly relational and social and community. You mentioned a lot of meeting room volume. So some people are in locations where they just don't get that. I think that makes such a big difference when you have pe- people coming in and out of the space that aren't members um, and then being, you know, attached to the cafe, you probably are more likely to get to get some of that flow, which is right, positive, but <laughs> much more work for the for the team. So in the food hall model, your food hall team will be completely separate from the co-working side. Is that right? Or is there any crossover? Correct. It'll be completely separate. There'll be different uh, staff with different management. Uh, but I will say like here at uh, Cafe 13 and Connects Workspace, the teams work really well together. They support each other. Uh, Cafe 13 provides our coffee. They bring it back. So it's very much supportive roles, but completely, yeah, integrated is a good word for it. Okay. Or maybe it's not, but the staff does, you know, so I have um, a member of my startup school who's opening a co-working space attached to a coffee shop and they're on a main street. Um, It's only coffee though. It's not food. And so I think he's trying to figure out, right, can the barista multitask or is the barista only doing coffee? What if you only did coffee? Could you see more like, oh, the barista helps out when the coffee shop is slow or no, it's too, it's just separate. You have to have separate staff that are dedicated. Okay. That's important. I I believe you do. Yeah. You can't, cause you just can't, you can't manage when a conference room is needed at the same time, a group of 10 comes in for coffee at the same time that lattes that take for lattes. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So they, they each have to work on their own from a, from a sort of business model standpoint and economic, the P and L has to work. It can't, you can't share and hope for sort of synergies there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, you mentioned right now you have some sort of interim, like an operations person, a marketing person, is there, and, and you also mentioned sort of rebuilding the foundation because you're building a bigger business. Are, are you ha- having a little bit of a struggle with sort of like wanting to add sort of overhead at a, you know, sort of pre-revenue? I feel like that is a struggle that a lot of spaces who are trying to expand, try to figure out. It's this chicken or egg problem, right? Like, can you, yeah, can you t- just talk a little bit about how you're working through that? Yeah, it's it's difficult. I'm I really am I'm putting out expenses earlier than I want to, but I know it's going to yield. We'll be able to fill the space quicker. We'll be able to have uh we're just putting a lot of energy and hoping that we get returns quicker and 
it's hard. It's scary. So I would say it is something that I, I'm taking a risk on for sure. But I couldn't imagine doing it. I couldn't imagine not having that. Yeah, there's no way I could. It would be all on my shoulders. And I just, what I need to be doing is the, you know, finding the investors and going out. I, I really am trying to keep myself in my correct lane. And so I have to have people that are supporting all that. And operating kind of in a CEO role, new business investors working on the new location. Um, so I'm curious, you you know, you just sort of reference this rebuilding. Are there any sort of big lessons that you learned from your first years that you'll transfer to the new location or kind of as you're sort of rethinking or growing the business? What are what are the things that are either changing or that you feel like we've nailed this? We're you know we're taking this with us as we grow. My biggest is I'm paying for attorneys, which is really hard and expensive. But that was my biggest lesson, right? And I you I know you speak on that. And had I found you <laughs> before I opened, would have been great. Um, but yeah, really read the leases, read the purchase agreements, management agreement, whatever it is, know what you're getting into, uh, pay, pay people that know stuff that you don't know. It, it really, you know, I did learn through the school of hard knocks and lost money because of that. So those are some big, uh, big learnings. Uh, what I feel like we've really done well is we, we've learned how to, to curate community. And, you know, we haven't been able to do that very much with COVID, but as we're hopefully coming out of it, we're really excited to get back to events and get back to really pulling people together and um, just being a, a comfortable place for people. And I feel like I really know what I need in a community manager when I hire. I've, I, I've figured that out and I can take that onto the next place. And, uh, How is hiring in a smaller market? I have had, it's been interesting. It's creative. (laughs) Let's say that. I, uh, Amanda, who's my community manager, that's in Community Manager University, she moved from Boston to Golden and sent an email saying she was curious about co-working. I was like, she's, it was amazing. I love that. You're in. <laughs> I didn't know that about her. I'll have to to ask ask. That is super cool. I do feel like that's one of the advantages of like a slightly we're still in the such early stages of this industry, but when you get community managers who either have experience already because we have we see some of that in the community manager group and our flight group, you know, have folks who right move locations and they love the role, but they're moving. So, and to have somebody come in who, right, is interested and and wants that role is. Yeah. And another one that's just a funny story. She's my community host and we're training her up to be the community manager up at the new location is she's a friend of the family and I was friends with her on Instagram and she kept just posting really great stuff. And she looked like she was having so much fun in life and like, she's young. She just got married I just reached out to her. I'm like, hey, are you looking for a job? <laughs> so, and and she's been perfect. And I think it was because she had posted so much. It was like her personality came out in that. And I was like, you would be a great community manager. And she is. So, I love that. Right. So you haven't had to rely on like LinkedIn or posting on, you know, Craigslist. Yeah. We had a guest on the, 
You have. Right. Yeah, we had a guest on the podcast who's in um, Kayla Adair's space. She um, is in the flight group, but a different group than the one that you're in. But he, yeah, that's what he talked about, like leveraging your network and that even, I love your example about seeing someone on Instagram who you just felt like her vibe would be right and reaching out and it's it's a small town. So, you know, you have some connection. Yeah, you, you just like this idea that you're you're constantly kind of looking for people that might be a fit and that they may not come from, yeah, Craigslist or LinkedIn. It probably depends on the market you're in, but um yeah. Anything else about sort of the, the growth experience that you would share or um, kind of lessons learned that you would pass on? Uh, one thing I hear you talking about it uh, quite often and that I'm just more and more impressed by is using all of the systems that are out there. You know, we use Notion and Asana and Slack and, you know, we have a lot of uh, just more than we probably, just, it feels like a lot, but Calendly, you know, they and yeah, and then Zapiers to make them talk to each other. And so I think that has been it, it. Our goal is to try to take as much off of the community managers so they can spend their time really curating the community. And the bigger you get, the more just nonsense admin you have to do. And so we're really, that's one thing that uh, is allowed us to grow. I, I, there's no way, you know, what I was doing even five years ago would sustain us to growth. So I think uh, that's been really, really helpful and, and fun to just keep trying. That's the other thing. I have a pretty young team, so they're very interested in pivoting all the time. <laughs> it's like, they're like, we'll try this, we'll try that. And I was like, okay, so it's good. It's been fun. Which is a, right, a huge advantage when you're sort of, right, still learning and growing and that they're along for the ride instead of we don't like change, you know, because that is, I think, a personality type you could get in a role. And so um, they're excited that you're excited. That's great. So you mentioned Notion. Notion is like an all-in-one. Can you describe Notion for anybody who hasn't used it? Yeah. And this is hilarious because I'm, you know, staying in my lane. I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you very much, but we use Notion for it's our operations manual. So anything that we do, there is a process written in Notion and we all have access to it and we have uh, everything. So if I had to, for instance, run, <laughs> run connects, which I've had to, because we've had with COVID and people out, I could do it. Like I can go into Notion and I can read. You didn't remember how to onboard a member. You you could get in there and figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yep. Yep. And it's live and it's active and it can be on our phones. And so when they're opening spaces and all our door codes and such, you know, it's easy to access and just our live operations manual. I've heard a couple of people mention it. I think Felicia uses it too. Um, Felicia Rubenstein, who owns Haven. Um, any other tech that you use that you would share? People are always curious about tech stacks and co-working. Um, I think those are our main. Uh, Asana is, that's where uh, we do a lot of our projects. Yeah. And I know you just did something on HubSpot. We tried it out for a year and we, we kind of, we went back to just utilizing Asana. HubSpot was just a little too um, big for us. It, I felt like we needed a full-time person just to be able to run that. To manage. It's really impressive, but maybe we'll get there. But um, right now it's just a little big. 
And, uh, and then Zapier, I just think that is the coolest thing ever to be able to, you know, to zap things and um, we will, somebody will submit a new application and we'll get a Slack and it'll get a, make an Asana task and it will just do all the things for us. I think that's, that's been really useful. We're trying to find new ways of it. What is the space management platform that you use? Proximity. And the reason is I used Nexodus. I used Excel and then I grew up to Nexodus and then I grew up. Um, The reason I would switch from Nexodus to Proximity is they're local. They're a Colorado company. And uh, I met with them really early on in their trajectory and finally just uh, realized Nexodus being um, across the ocean from us just became a little more difficult. And so, yeah, so it's, it's been really good. We're able to participate in some betas that they're, they're doing. They have a beta with QuickBooks, they have a beta with something else that we're practicing. So that's, uh, that's been really cool. Awesome. Yeah. They're a great team. They've run their own spaces that, yeah, the, the local piece can be really helpful. Jen, as a, as a wrap up, what are you most looking forward to in 2022? Oh my goodness. Well, opening the new location and I'm just hoping because we're on, we're hoping for summer and you know, it just, uh, every month makes me a little more nervous that it's going to push to fall and then winter. So opening the new location and people coming back together, I just really want to be able to have events, uh, and bring people together and, re-engage into the social world. I think that it's sorely lacking and I just, yeah, I, I really want to be able to provide that for people. So my team does too. We're all excited. We're like, let's throw a party. Well, right. The food hall is going to be the, the ultimate uh, party location. That'll be awesome. Yeah. Um, I was actually in Denver last week and I was in and out. So anybody who's in Denver that I should have visited next time, I will do a longer stay. I was there for a GWA meeting and we, the board had not met in, in person in at least two years. It would have been right. Probably February, 2020, we would have gotten together. And it's so, I probably had like, I don't know, 20 conversations in person that I just never would have had over zoom maybe more in the span of like 24 hours. It might not even have been 24 hours, but <laughs> like, you know, just like dinner and then a day of meetings and some time at the airport and that in person, it just felt so good. Cause I, you know, I've seen friends, but I have not really seen business friends. So that was awesome. And it's just, it really is different to be in person. So yeah, I love those. So I'll have to schedule my trip in. What is your expected opening date for the food hall? Right now we're, hoping for July. So that's, that's our hopeful date. All right. Maybe I'll plan for September. You better make sure the, the GC is uh, managing his projects. Well, <laughs> are you seeing any supply chain challenge? Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the issue. Yep. Supply chain is our biggest, just getting, getting the parts. I mean, even just like metal to install the windows. Yeah. Just so that's going to be the delay. Yeah. Yeah. Not the GC's fault. Yeah. I, I like to normalize that because the folks I have in my startup school program who are starting things, I mean, they've seen their expenses go up and the you know time it takes to get things, even furniture. I talked to the um, sales manager at Room. <laughs> he was saying, you know, how backed up they are on, on room orders. So even the basics like that. So anyway, 
Well, thank you for taking the time. I know you're super busy. You mentioned you had a crazy day and you're working on a new location, all the things. Um, but it's so great to hear your story and just to, you know, to kind of get into the details of what um, what your journey has been. And I know others love to hear, you know, kind of the behind the scenes um, of, of what it's like as you're growing. So um, I can't wait to lay my eyes on the food hall at some point. Um, and thank you for sharing your story and taking the time. Thank you so much, Jamie. I so appreciate you having me. It was great chatting. Hey there. Thanks for sticking with us through the end of the episode. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please go leave us a review. It helps other folks find the podcast who are thinking about starting a co-working space or already operating a co-working space and are looking to stay up to speed on tips and trends. And we started a YouTube channel. We'd love to have you catch us on video. You can join us for podcast videos and Q&A videos and other things that we post to the channel. We'd love to see you there.